0: Hello, hello, this is Rebecca Adio and Maggie Bichella, and this is Does It Get the Pass? A podcast where we arbitrarily decide whether rom-coms get the pass. This week, we will not be discussing one particular rom-com and whether or not it gets the pass. We are doing our very first Valentine's Day special episode. Um, We just kind of wanted to come in and check in with the podcast, like, almost a year out from, you know, where we started and, like, maybe have a conversation about like just the things about rom-coms we like and want to see in the future but yeah what do you want to bring to do what do you want to bring to today's recording I
1: can't believe it's already been a year basically since we started recording this podcast because I believe you said that we recorded our very first episode like on Valentine's Day 2023 Um, it's a little before Valentine's Day right now because on Valentine's Day uh, when you were hopefully listening to this I will be in Los Angeles because I don't know how to plan shit. Uh, But we've talked for basically the entire existence of this podcast about wanting to do at least a one-off bit about men we want in rom-coms because we bring it up all the fucking time. Either, like, respective to the movies we're watching or just in general. I know very recently I went on a tangent about Ryan Gosling, so I feel like that's a good place to start right now and I know this is an audio medium and listeners cannot see my list but Rebecca can and it's long as hell
0: oh there's a long list I have um a very hastily written like graduate student like one pager here of just names and phrases and movie titles and I hope I will remember what all of this means um it will it will be plunged up from the recesses of my mind via conversation that's Um. the real
1: that's the real (laughs) grad student mood is writing your shit in a hurry and hoping to god when you look back at it later that you know what it means same thing for being a uh, film and television reviewer ironically enough
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean I've seen all of your like notes from like screeners and even just like you watching things like in your discord server like the one liners are iconic. They're hilarious. Um, there is
1: literally there is a note in my in my um notebook for a show I've been watching recently where it just says, Shut the fuck up, why is Greg Davis here? And that's I no other context. And Dan you're is. like, I
0: wish I knew why I wrote this, when I wrote this, what no idea. pushed me to write it. But yeah. It is we keep it silly here. But um yeah, I'm I'm really excited for today's. Even though like I, as a lesbian, don't have much stake in like what men are in rom-coms. Um, there <laughs> I'd say I I you do have, have pretty thoughts. strong opinions. I'd say you
1: have like decent opinions on men in rom-coms. Mine is just dudes I think are hot that I want to see kiss other people. <laughs> like that's my entire motivation for most of these, to be fair.
0: No, that's real. I, I will say this: half the men I put on this list, I just kind of want to see them kiss other men. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, we do need more. We do definitely need more queer rom-coms, I think, because not only are there not enough of them, but also some of the ones that have come out, I- I'm thinking primarily of bros, have not been particularly like well-received yeah. either. I mean, bros is kind of a one-off that maybe at some point in the future we'll cover on an episode of being just the weirdest like phenomenon of a gay person, gay man, trying to appeal to a straight audience that I've ever with get queer content that i've ever seen but like that's neither here nor there anyway since i have a long list we should probably kick into this <laughs> let's go
0: let's go should we each share one and then like give a short blurb um yes do please. like the elevator pitch for your man all right let's hear it okay i rebecca
1: knows this i've been saying this for years i know it is a thing that will never ever happen But, like, number one top of my list is always going to be John Bernthal. Like, I want to see him in a proper rom-com. I don't think it'll happen because he primarily, A, only does dramas, and B, really uh, is not interested in playing a lead role. Uh, He's said that very explicitly, that he would rather take supporting parts in really good scripts than worry about being a leading man. But, like, anyone who's watched... The second season of Daredevil and and or both seasons of The Punisher on Disney Plus uh, will know the man knows how to do romantic tension in a way that like a lot of other actors don't. I mean, he has that very kind of old Hollywood like Rat Pack kind of sensibility to him. I'm not just saying that because he's the most Italian seeming non-Italian man I've ever seen. But he just has that kind of old Hollywood like energy to him in that. And like the he was in, you know, the American Gigolo series on on either Paramount Plus or Showtime Showtime, a year before. And that was not a rousing success. So I know he's like fairly like hesitant to do anything like that again. But God,
0: I would kill for it. No, I absolutely agree. I think that, like, he sells himself short a little bit too much. And I think he's put himself into, like, as much as he plays men who have depth and character and everything, I think he's put himself into a little bit too small of a box. He doesn't see himself in these different ways, even though I think, like, fans see him in these different ways. And it makes me sad because I would like to see John Bernthal do something, like, very explicitly, like, romantic. And I don't know if he'd ever do like, ro- romantic comedy, like, in the way that, like, we talk about on this podcast. Like, I could not see him doing a movie, like, Plus One or oh, yeah. and Lyrics, but, like, I could see yeah. him doing something like My Cousin Vinny, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not just saying that because he's an Italian-looking motherfucker, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no. I mean, John Bernthal for a My Cousin Vinny remake, yes, but, like, also, if you've, have you seen Wind River, the Taylor Sheridan movie?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay, well, he plays, like, he plays a quite sort of, I mean, he's in all of five minutes of this movie, but he plays kind of a a little bit of a romantic hero archetype in that. And so it definitely shows that he has, like, the chops and just the likability to be a leading Mm -hmm. man, because I think that's what he underestimates about himself, is that he is kind of, like, you know, big, tall, kind of intimidating-looking guy, uh, but he has that kind of presence to him that makes you want to, like... Watch more of him. That he has that likability about him, and I think that's something that he, as an actor, underestimates. But like, I will also take about seven more small engine repairs, if only because I can never watch small engine repair ever again.
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> we had this makes... conversation
1: <laughs> off the <laughs> off air last week.
0: We we do love small engine repair here on the pod. It is probably the patron play of does it get the pass? Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean. Oh, no, okay, well, I, I'm gonna make myself a note for later when we talk about, like, movies oh. that you would like to see. Fear. Uh, but who's the
1: who's the first person on the top of your list? I have a feeling like I can guess at least one, but I want to see one. Do you want to... You... I
0: want to let you guess.
1: Is Oscar Isaac on this list at all? He
0: by draft! Yes, he does. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it's Oscar Isaac. And now, um, Oscar Isaac has played a lot of romantic leads before. He's also played characters who can flirt it up, who have... who know how to have tension, so... I'm not worried about him being able to pull it off. I just, I don't think it's the direction he wants his career to go, yeah. much like with John Bernthal. Although I do think that is the most attractive man to ever set foot on the planet. Um, <laughs> on God. On God. Like, and I've met him in person and I've seen his face three feet from mine, even though it was through a sheet of plastic. He is hands down the most suave, handsome motherfucker in the, plan- in the planet. I think a lot about, how he was able to um, act off of um, May Kalamawi in uh, Moon Knight as both Stephen Grant, who's very shy and reserved, but also as Mark Spector, who's a little bit more sure of himself and Dark and Brooding. And seeing seeing the dime flip, sometimes in the same scene, seeing that dime flip is the sign to me that that's a really good romantic actor. Because like, not all moments of a rom-com are going to be super happy fluffy romantic not and you know not every moment of a drama is going to be super brooding dark and tragic I think that each one has to have elements of the other to be a really successful like romance or story in general yeah and I just I want to see him do something really genuinely rom-com because he is so funny he has great comedic timing he is romantic he is charismatic he is sexy he has it all like to be like a rom-com lead and like I think more of a um, Hugh Dancy kind of way, possibly. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean sure. by that? I see like, if Hugh Dancy ever started doing rom-coms again, I think that like um, Oscar Isaac would kind of like, they would kind of play the same kind of roles. Um, yeah. I would like to see, I do want to offer one suggestion. I do want to see him in a billionaire romance because Ooh. he has he has that look, right? Like he, does. he just has that look and- um I don't know like what the plot of said billionaire romance is. It, he probably works at the company company or uh or something like you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> he went to business school to learn how to do business. Like it's one of those situations yeah. I think. Um I don't know. I I actually genuinely like a cla- like a class difference romance if our discussion about, you know, pretty woman was any indication of that at all. So that's that's my number yeah. one pick. No,
1: he was also on my list, I think, just because, one, like you said, he is, like, the most attractive man on the planet. And also, yeah, he has proved that he can do all of the things that are strictly necessary for a rom-com. He's incredibly funny. I mean, that's... You know that's why he sells Moon Knight so well. He's done other comedy things. I mean, was it is it across the Spider Verse? Please tell me I got that one right.
0: Yeah, across the Spider Verse with across Miguel. Spider-verse, yeah, Spider-verse.
1: he's very funny in that, but he also has that kind of charm and the and the heft that you need to sort of lead something. And again, yeah, he's one of those people that I can't see him doing a rom-com anytime soon because he's done straight romance. I cannot not yeah. remember the name of the movie, but I went, I was in college and I went to see him play supposedly the lead in this thing and it was so fucking emotionally traumatizing that I don't know why I bothered with it. Also, I was telling my mom not an hour ago about the fact that I watched Inside Lou and Davis and it made me so depressed that it probably, like, had a genuinely negative impact on my mental, mental health at the time. Um, oh my god.
0: You he's one what? of those people this. that does a lot
1: of sad shit.
0: He does a lot yeah. of sad shit. Because he also, he just has that face. He does. You know, he just has that face. He's a good sad boy. I don't know. But I think, like, about Lewin Davis, I love him in that movie. That movie did wonders for my mental stability. um, (laughs) In the the sense that, like, I wanted to hold him in my arms like a pathetic baby bird or something. um, Because he has all of the the charisma of a limp dish rag in that movie. And yet I still want to tell him it's gonna be okay. Even though he's a horrible person in that movie. And I'll say this I think every single woman knows a Lewin Davis. Every single woman has a Lewin Davis. And I think that's why you feel so bad. He in he ignites something not maternal and not romantic, but something so I could fix him. Um in every way. And that's I'm the sign so- of a true romantic lead. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You cannot
1: see this listening to this, but I am crying. I'm left. So I'm sorry, all the charisma of a wet dish rag fucking did me. I mean, You're he, right. You are he's absolutely a broke correct. Guitar player.
0: He has no ribs. Please. He's
1: every dude you meet at a college party who plays fucking Wonderwall. That's exactly yes. what
0: and Davis is. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's why he's so un. That's why he's so universal. But I love Oscar Isaac. If you're listening, if your wife is listening to our podcast, um, <laughs> then please tell tell your agent you want to do some rom coms just for us specifically. Speaking of Elvira, though, I
1: feel like just their relationship could be a rom com like she's a producer and a photographer if you've not seen her documentaries you should definitely like look her up but yeah he gives off rom-com like he and elvira and their kids give off like rom-com energy especially Mm -hmm. when she very knowingly posts pictures of him on her instagram because he doesn't have social media and she'll post pictures of him with like his fucking man bun and i'm like yes elvira i
0: love you because you know what you bagged and you're proud of it she she knows she's a hot girl like hot girl with like that's all one word. And I would describe yes. her like that 100%. Yeah. Yes. Oh. But
1: <laughs> yeah. moving on. I'm,
0: yes, I'm done. I'm done with my soapbox now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> soapbox. I will not talk as passionately about any other man on this
1: list. <laughs> that is so very valid. I think I've gone past the like really, really passionate part of this list. Um, My next one, at least I'm just going in sort of the order yeah. that I wrote these in. I have no particular like strong feelings about them. Are you familiar at all with the TV show Ghosts? Like the UK version of it? Yes. Yes. Um, so one of the people in that, his name is Matthew Bainton. I have been in love with this man since I was, like, 14 years old. (laughs) I grew up watching Horrible Histories on, like, WB Kids when I would visit my grandparents in Philly, or my grandma in Philly, and I'd have to watch it on this busted-ass old TV that you had to whack to make sure the color worked. Horrible Histories, they used to pour it in over there, and then he was in a show called You, Me, and the Apocalypse when I was in, like, high school-ish age, middle school, high school and then very recently, um if you watch UK TV at all, you're probably familiar with Ghosts, which is a comedy series done by the same people that did horrible histories. And Matthew Baton plays one of the ghosts. he plays this romantic poet named Thomas Thorne, who's a complete idiot. but like <laughs> watching like five seasons of somebody playing a like romantic poet, like fairly decently convinces you that they should be in a rom-com. and like, I would love to see a rom-com specifically made by the people that do ghosts because they have such great comedic timing, but he's just one of those people. I, I'm i realizing slowly looking at my list that most of the people on here are British because I have a very strong tendency towards like Britcoms like Notting Hill and Love Actually and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the next person on my list if only because I have been binging ghosts with my mom um, and I was like, mm, yeah, no, I, I think I have an idea in my head for this man. Do you ever watch movies and like pick out a person and you're like, hmm, I want to write a rom-com for you?
0: Always. I mean, that's okay. It's funny that you say that because that leads me to my next man. I want Sebastian Stan to do a rom-com. I mean, oh, I, have his shit. Face, I have his face tattooed on me for the rest of my life. Um, so I may as well like put his name forward, right? I remember watching um oh my god what what was it gossip girl yes because he did gossip girl back in the day and I think that um it was like such a small role he only showed up a few times he played Carter Bazin and little like 12 year old me like lo- fell in love with him like I was like he's so cute like I love everything about him because he had a very very baby face at the time he's older now he's more chiseled kind of rugged handsome instead of cute but I remember when I was re-watching Gossip Girl a couple summers ago while at home I was thinking to myself I'm like man you need to be in like some kind of grad school rom-com like yeah you know what I mean by that and I mean he's a little bit too old to like eas- feasibly play like a grad student now but like I think that he could still like do like a grad student rom-com um yeah. and just play young um and I want him to like be working on his PhD and then he meets some girl who like is also studying the same thing as him coming into the same program but she's a first year he's maybe a few years along and it just reignites his passion for literature because of the way that she um you know like sees their field and everything and I don't know it's a little manic pixie dream girl but I, I mean, don't care is that it's, not all rom-coms by default to be fair like it's all rom-coms yeah I I and so that's, like, the specific rom-com in my head that I want for him. Yeah. I want him to do a grad grad student rom-com.
1: Yeah, he's one of the people that kind of reminds me of the fact that, like, so few men take the, like, what I would call the rom-com track once they hit, like, a certain amount of stardom a lot of them go for the action star track like this and this is something we've discussed specifically about uh Glenn Powell in the past um he's very much like he, he, you know he's done two or three different rom-coms so he's not entirely sort of dedicated to being an action star but is making very intentional moves towards like big action roles i think sebastian stands since falcon and the winter soldier has kind of stepped away from that like he's oh, yeah. because because bucky Barnes is no longer like a huge thing in the MCU I mean I know Thunderbolts is coming up soon but bec- because he's no longer doing like two movies a year as Bucky Barnes yeah I feel like he stepped back I mean he did fresh last year which I hate with every fiber of my being but it was at least different um and then he's doing a different man which just premiered at Sundance like so he's kind of stepped back from the action hero track but like when I think of like men who have the potential for things like rom-coms and choose to kind of go the action star Kind of the action star that then morphs into the drama star kind of track yeah.
0: after they get a little too old. He's like the Their primary bones example of that. No, for sure. I um, I like that he's doing more indie projects. Oh, what was that one movie he did that was like all on location in Greece? Was it like Monday or something? Yes, Monday. And that was another romance. I don't know if that was a rom-com, but it was like a romance movie. Yeah. Um, and I remember really liking that when it first came out too, which yeah. again, because I love him, so. But yeah, Yeah. what about your next man? My next man, I have to pick
1: someone off the list. I think I'm going to go because I realized looking at this list that I wrote down like five different people from Ted Lasso. So I'm just going to kind of blanket (laughs) say most of the people from Ted Lasso because I feel like the way that show, I mean, they talk about rom-coms on Ted Lasso constantly, like that is a very clear through line. and. They fucked it up in the last season, I will say that. just that's And that's to blame, you know, Jason is to blame for his fucking divorce or whatever. But, like, the way that they constructed characters in that show is so reminiscent of what you would see in a rom-com film that I feel like... And you could cherry pick kind of anybody that was in that cast. I mean, specifically the ones that I had written down were Brett Goldstein and Phil Dunster who play Roy Kenton and Jamie Tart, as well as James Lance, who plays my beloved Trent Krim from The Independent. But also (laughs) I literally wrote on this list, she's not a man, but Hannah Waddingham.
0: I very desperately
1: need, like that's the one I'm going to focus on because I very desperately need this woman to do a rom-com because she has the most like movie star- Energy I've seen in an actress in a long fucking time. I mean, her, she just had a, a Christmas special come out on Apple TV that I, it's like 40 minutes long. And I was like, I would sit here and listen to you read the fucking phone book. Like, you are so charming. And like, I, I meet her in like a good, like, cause you see so few rom coms with older people. Like, I feel like a lot of the rom coms coming out now are people in their 20s, and, like, as I approach 26, I will be 26, like, a week after this this episode goes out. I'm getting less and less interested in, like, the 20-something romance. I'm really interested in people sort of later in life. I would love to see her in something like that where maybe she's, like, a professor or someone who has to move back home or something that, like, takes advantage. I'd like to see her play a single mom because she plays- oh. she's a single mom in real life. Um, mm-hmm. she's got a, an eight-year-old daughter that I, every time she talks about her it makes me melt I, I would love to see like a single mom like small town British romance like that that is what I want for her
0: that sounds amazing I I love what they did de- now I haven't seen season three of Ted Lasso but from what I saw in season two about her relationship with what, what? Who was it? Sam, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I loved every single second of that, Me and too. I ate it up. So I was. I. I absolutely agree. Like with your conjecture here. Um, I think. Yeah. And speaking of that, Tohib who plays Sam, was also recently in
1: Romeo and Juliet. So I think he also has like great chops to be a romantic lead. It sucks every time somebody I love is doing Shakespeare in London. It's always like right before or right after
0: I go, and it it was yeah. like a, it it opened like a week after we left last year, and I was so pissed. It was so devastating, I know. And then like um the Joseph Fine soccer play yeah. also opened the week after we left, which so sad, but tragic. Yeah. I mean that
1: one's at Ugh. least coming to National Theatre at home, thank God. Yeah, and Motive oh in gosh. the Queue, which I think Rebecca Ooh. will sing the praises yes. of Motive in the Queue for like the rest of her life. <laughs>
0: I will, cause it's it's the only Hamlet adaptation that has any rights after the 2011 Rory Kinnear, um, you know, <laughs> adaptation that of the Pub living knows all about. Um, he is not a rom com lead to me, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Maybe he could be if he really tried. I don't know. What, who Rory Kinnear? Yeah, Rory Kinnear. I, I think feel he's like really he funny be a and good, very sweet. like.
1: I don't know if he could be a lead I've not seen enough of his work but I feel like he yeah. could make a really good like best friend character in like a quirky British rom-com like I could see him absolutely
0: doing that. oh yeah like in like the Rhys Fonz role in Notting Hill that's exactly that's Rory Kinnear but like just yes. like the older version you know yeah so
1: yeah like a Reese Shearsmith kind of deal
0: yes exactly. Yeah. but who's Ugh. the next
1: person on your list
0: Okay. Um, I know you just said that you're kind of like over like the young people rom-coms. And for the most part, I actually really, really hate high school movies. And you've oh, written an yeah. article about how much we hate high school movies. And it's true. However, I've been watching a lot of the Percy Jackson show lately. So this is going to be a twofer. I, one, I want to see Logan Lerman do like a beach rom-com. Yeah. Uh, but two, I want to see Walker Scobell in the greatest high school rom-com ever made. I, I don't- I want it to be the rom- the high school rom-com to end all rom-coms. Yes. Specifically I, Walker Scobell. Yes.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because my chief complaint with Percy Jackson is that, like, I previously saw Walker in The Adam Project. Which yeah. I thought was fine. But, like, he is so funny and he's so <sighs> compelling a character in that movie. And then he's in that movie, he is exactly what Percy Jackson is in the books. And then because it's Disney, that gets really pulled back for the show. And that's one of my kind of chief complaints about the Mm -hmm. show. I would love to see him in a rom-com where he gets to have that sort of like manic, ridiculous kind of chaos energy back. I feel like that would be really fun in in a very... And I, I think I'm saying this because I'm 26 and he's like he's he's a small infant he's boy a to boy. me. <laughs> um but like I would love to see yeah, just like an innocent like high school romance in that sense. Like cause I feel like a lot of high school romances also get like over sexualized in a weird yeah. way because they cast people in their twenties, but no, get like I think Walker's, like, 15, 16 right now. Get yeah. him to do one now between Percy seasons where he gets to do something, like, cute and adorable and be a little chaos gremlin boy. And I will watch the shit out of that forever. Because, like, there are high school movies that I love. But I think mm-hmm. I we need to go back to the roots of, like, what we were doing with, like, Clueless in the 90s.
0: Yeah, I want to see him do something, like, Clueless. I want to see him maybe in, like, a classic literature or drama adaptation. yeah. Potentially, I think that that would be really, really sweet. Um, I kind of want to see him play a theater kid because I think he, like you said, he has the kind of like crazy manic energy to do that. And I think it would like help give him enough like diversity. And like he's done something where, like uh, with Adam Project, it's very like sci fi adjacent. With um, Percy Jackson, it's very kind of like action. And in this, it would probably be something a little bit more humanities, a little bit more um, quirky. And I would love to see him do something like that. I don't know who his leading lady is, but um, yeah. I think that I just need to see him in just like <clears throat> the cutest high school rom-com ever. Yeah. Preferably I, in line with something like Clueless. Yeah. On God, I could just see the entire
1: like Percy Jackson show trio doing like a, a cute little high school rom-com together because I... Cause as for as many complaints as I have about the actual writing of the Percy Jackson mm-hmm. show, which I will not go into, um, I've been reading those books since I was eight years old, almost my entire life. Um, I adore like them as a trio. They have such great, like fabulous chemistry. And I I, I think the Percy Jackson books, especially as you get towards the end of the the original five books and you get into like Heroes of Olympus and stuff, where they're a little older and they're in high school. I think they do, it does, like, Riordan leans into a lot of rom-com tropes with that, especially, specifically with Percy and Annabeth. So I feel like that's kind of already written into the bones of those characters, that, like, watching them, I'm like, yeah, I would port this just to an American high school, and
0: this would, this dynamic would work, like, perfectly. Yeah, 100%. It's actually really funny, when my, um friend asked me about like the book I'm writing she's like oh well who do you see as your little narrator girl? And I'm like I see him as Walker like especially like the high school version of this character I'm like it's Walker I just whenever I'm feeling like okay I need to get into the mind of a teenage boy I literally I just I read like a couple chapters of Percy Jackson because I have them all on my Kindle or nice. I watch like a scene from the show and I'm like yeah there you go that's how I'm getting into teenage boy brain um <laughs> <it's> perfect <laughs> Like, yeah, I think that he's just such a cutie. And I think that he will take the rom-com route once he's older. I yeah. think that I can see his career shaping up to do that. So if any of his agents are listening, you should start feeding him like rom-com scripts for like cute yeah. little high school romances on Netflix he, or something. He is absolutely, despite the
1: sort of like fantasy sci-fi aspects of his first couple projects, is already very strongly leaning into the sort of comedic aspects of things, uh, yeah. which is not something that a lot of, like, actors, especially young actors do. Like, they tend to grow up and they want to do more serious things or whatever. Or they start off doing serious things. I mean, I, I think of, like, Jacob Tremblay starting off mm-hmm. with like, Room, you know, something like that. But he's already kind of very clearly cemented himself as a great comedic actor, basically just because he's a little shit. He's really going to be a little <laughs> shit, which, which is exactly ideal for what you need to play a teenager like percy jackson but um i have one last yeah. one on my list because i am yes, realizing give that us, some give of give these people name. have already been in things and i completely forgot about them but um i believe we discussed this either last week or the week before but um even Moss baccarat from the bear richie from the bear i had jeremy <laughs> allen white written down yes! here maybe
0: we can make him kiss or something
1: <laughs> i okay as far as even Moss' background goes, I know he just won an Emmy for the bear. And Richie is the entire reason I love the bear. Like, he's yeah. the character in that show for me. But, like, the man has already proven he can do romance, can do, like, especially, like, the drama part of a romance. Because uh, he's in the first season of The Punisher. Like, he will always be, like, ratty little David Lieberman to me. Um, and the whole kind of, his whole entire arc is is protecting his wife and his kids and you get to the end of that season and they reunite and it's just like the most heartrending thing you've ever seen and i'm already crying over frank castle so somehow he's managed to distract me and that's a difficult thing when frank castle's on screen rebecca knows this um, oh yeah but yeah he's already sort of set up the, and he's, he's incredibly funny obviously if you've seen the bear but he's set up that he definitely has the like foundation and the experience needed to do really strong romance and maybe yeah I'd like to see him in a sort of like second chance thing because that's kind of what David Lieberman is already and like we, we you
0: know we love second chance romance on this podcast I would love to see that from him I think that that would be so much fun I honestly like I feel like it's gonna be like another kind of like small town second chance romance maybe like yes where he's the one that the girl comes back to or something like you know what I mean you know what I'm like you can't see but I'm like wringing my hands together (laughs) she's doing the like evil cartoon (laughs) villain hands (laughs) I I definitely because he has that kind of like average guy face that I think you really really need in like um like a hometown rom-com you know um I can definitely see that from him
1: yeah, like, I, I keep seeing this trend on
0: TikTok that's like,
1: what's your unconventional celebrity crush? And I've seen people like him or like there's a handful of other people. And every time I'm like, these people are hot. What are you talking about? And maybe that's just something about my taste in men. I don't know. But like he definitely fits into that like unconventional, like, yeah, kind of every man sort of face that looks yes. a little more normal than like
0: Glenn Powell and his stupid fucking abs and anyone but you. No, that's 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 exactly how I feel. Um, and I I just like finished season two of The Bear, and he absolutely made this season for me. Um, I really loved his episode where he was staging at the the fancy restaurant. Like that was just like peak television to me like there are a few episodes of tv out there It specifically mizumono from hannibal is the best episode of television of all time tara nolius from season four of the crown is another one that's up there but richie's episode of the bear in season two that was it for me like that knocked my two favorite episodes of tv of all time out of the window because that was it that was it
1: see i'm thinking specifically of and i cannot remember which episode it is but like the the Warner from season one that's like the one long, like 17 minute oh, shot gets that shot like, when stabbed Richie stabbed ends up ass. stabbed. Yeah, that is <laughs> genuinely to me. I think IO Debris also makes that scene, but like, yes, Richie getting stabbed in that episode is genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television, like,
0: bar none. Is that the same episode where he gets sent to jail? Maybe I'm not sure. It's been a minute uh, since I've seen might, season you know one. What? It actually might be the episode before that. Um. I just know it's the because most it's stressful the episode of television. I've it was ever a very, seen. it was a very chaotic episode of television. That is for certain. Yeah, um, yeah. Should I name my last man? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm trying to decide. Do you want like, like a dark horse pick, or do you want like something that's maybe a little bit more mainstream? Give me the dark horse. I'm interested. Okay. So my dark horse pick is, um, absolutely, Michael B. Jordan. I saw you in Creed. I saw you in Creed, Michael B. Jordan. I wouldn't call that a... Like, I wouldn't call that a dark horse because he's, like, conventionally
1: attractive enough that I'm like, how have you not done one yet?
0: See, that's why, though. Because it feels like... Because he has the leading... He is a leading man. Yeah. So many times over, he is a leading man. But he's not really ever, like doing like rom-com stuff i want to see him in an actual rom-com not a romantic movie or a romantic drama i want to see him in a rom-com because he can do romance he can do comedy king do them both at the same time he's a director we need to just get him a script that he likes enough to direct and star in like that's what he did with creed 3 yeah i mean the thing is is that like creed the first one is already kind of a rom-com because of the whole relationship he has with uh as Thompson's character in that Bianca, yeah. I think her name is. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not the point. I want to see a movie with him where the romance and the comedy are the point. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So I think that that's why he's my dark horse contender. um Dominic Sessa will do one at some point. I already okay. know that. Like that's okay. why he's no. not my dark horse pick.
1: I need. Yeah, we need to. I don't. He was not on my list, but we need to talk about Dominic Sessa because you clearly you've so seen the whole you,
0: Yes. Yes. I, yeah. he has,
1: much like even Moss Bacharach, he has, like, that everyman face that, like, I, I, I'm i very protective of him because he's a year younger than my brother, um, so he he feels like a baby to me that I have to protect, but yeah, he came out of the gate with one of the greatest, like, most nuanced comedy performances I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. How the fuck he didn't end up with an Oscar nomination is beyond me. I, rigged I, it was you, fucking rigged they're they are rigged because they're paid for by studios but I'm not getting into that argument right now uh no he he is such a natural like presence that I feel like he would kill in a rom-com like you were saying like grad student rom-com like college rom-com I yes. mean I think I'm just I'm being influenced by the like boarding school of it all of the holdovers but like yeah well now while he's still kind of you know early 20s I would love To see him do one, just because he's
0: just the he's just the weirdest little dude, and he's so interesting. No, he's got like such a sweet face, and he's so funny, and he's got like the that green bean, uncooked pasta noodle body type that I think is very funny for like the comedy bits and the comedy bits of it all. Um, But I think I have a rom com for him on my short list here because I wrote down a bunch of plots and I've been trying to like match them up to different guys. Yes. But I wrote um like a like a sports romance, but where the girl is the athlete and the guy is the nerd. And I think that he could do that. I think he oh, could sell yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah, I want it. I think, I think, he think could. that would be really cute. And you can set that at college because NCAA is so big. So, yeah. Yeah. Like easy.
1: Yeah. But to sort of seg- use that as a segue, we wanted to also spend part of this special talking about like, the kinds of rom-coms we want to see are the kinds of like plots we're interested in because there is a lot of like really untapped potential with this genre now that we've moved into like the 21st century and like we've like there are there are kind of tropes and plots that have been left in the 90s and there's a lot more like open space nowadays to play with stuff so you have Mm -hmm. a pretty exhaustive list on on your end too so
0: yeah, um, I'll get started. I think I've talked about this one for sure on here, but I do have an idea for a rom com about a journalist and a um, actor falling in love after you know they meet at Cannes. Um, and they and he knows the entire time that she's a journalist because they meet on the press line for his movie, and they just ke- he keeps on telling his agent, "I want to keep doing interviews with her. I want to keep doing interviews with her." And so she's flying all around the world. They're like. He's taken to all these cool places on set, on location, in his hometown. They fall in love. They're dating, like, kind of secretly for the most part. Because I I do, like, a little bit of a secret romance um, myself. But, um, and then there's, like, drama with, like, their relationship going public before they want it to. And him being anxious about, you know, oh, did you tell, like, you must have written about it. And blah, 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 blah. And he makes the big romantic grand gesture when he wins his Oscar. um, Shows up at her house in his full tuxedo with the award and like it's it's very cheesy and stupid but I really I have very 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 high hopes for that one and I do it is half written so like yeah yeah I really want to do something with it one day but that's like my number one like that is the rom-com that I want to see in the world like the most yeah I have many 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 like fan fictions that I've
1: written that are basically like rom-com conceits. I think I'm realizing because I'm writing something right now. Um, I know I've been and, getting
0: the AO3 notifications for it.
1: Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. We're not talking about this on this podcast. No one, on <laughs> no one that listens to this podcast needs to know my AO3 handle. But anyway, I realized that, like, I write a lot of, like, May-December shit, like, and not, and let me make this clear, not in the fucking way like the, the Todd Haynes movie. I would like to make that very clear right now, not the same fucking thing. Todd Haynes has ruined that fucking term. And blame Katie for this. Blame friend of the pod Katie for this, because she's the fucker that got me into it. But, like, May-December romance is something that I think I'm really interested in, because Part of it is kind of like a second chance romance for whoever is the older person Absolutely. in the couple. I've I've written a couple of them. I'm not going to talk about the one I'm writing right now. Um, Rebecca knows. And that makes me afraid because I forget that she knows my AO3 handle. Um, I haven't been
0: reading it, if that makes you feel any better. Good.
1: Um, it's just for Katie. Um, but no, I, I started one a while back that was like um, an older musician who was popular in the 80s, sort of like doing a like a reunion tour, like a comeback tour, and like mm-hmm. hires a younger bassist um to be his touring band and there's a romance involved with that. So I'm I'm interested in that dynamic if it's done right. If you're yeah. doing the anti taught Haynes of it. But the idea that I have been playing with and avoiding writing for the better part of a year is uh I've talked we've talked many times on this podcast about much do about nothing. If you listen to this show, you know how much we love Much To Do About Nothing. I have had in my head for probably the better part of a year, maybe two years, um, an adaptation of Much to Do About Nothing that's like not like a, a um not a not using Shakespeare's prose, but like a clueless style adaptation where instead of soldiers coming to a villa in Italy, it's um uh, like a 1970s kind of style glam rock band coming to do a residency at a club where kind of most of the people that hang out there are punk so Beatrice and Hero and all of them are sort of the very traditional like British punk sort of style and then you get the what I'm gonna refer to as the soldiers as this kind of like queen rush like glam metal sort of your gl- glam rock kind of Bowie style uh rock band which is kind of definitely clashing aesthetics and and clashing cultural values. Because if you've read anything about sort of like punk versus uh, mainstream music in the 1970s into the 80s, like that was a big sort of cultural clash in the same way that, you know, the normal people and the soldiers were a bit of a culture clash in Much Ado About Nothing. I have thought about that forever. I am like plotting it out and just avoiding writing it by writing stupid fan fiction that um, I don't have to commit mental energy to. But like that is my number one. I I need to make that at some point.
0: I need to make that a reality because I think about it constantly. I absolutely love that. I think it's really, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I do like May, December stuff too. I think that like age gaps are really interesting to explore like the different standards you come into a relationship with. Even music and lyrics is almost a May-December. Almost, yeah. Almost, because they're not, like, significantly... There's not a significant age gap between them um, for it to be considered May-December, but there is, there are some years between mm-hmm. them. I think it's, like, 15 years. But I would still, like... I would really love to see, you know, this Much Ado, like, script come to fruition because you've been talking about it probably the entire time that we've been friends.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: yeah. I've, I've been... I've had
1: it sort of developed, but I... Um, because I know, I know you will understand this. Do you want to know what fucked me up and got me into May December romances to begin with? Was it Doctor Who? Was it 12, it was and, Clara? 12 and Clara? It was 12 yeah, and Clara. Yeah, exactly. Was that, was exactly. That, exactly. <laughs> that show fucked you. me up when I was 15 and I've never recovered.
0: I, I still stand by the fact that 12 and Clara are the hot couple of Doctor Who of all time. Like yes. it is, it, they are so real to me. They are so good to me. Uh, everything. yeah, no, I I love I love their relationship. I love the way it's written. I love the way they have chemistry together. Peter Capaldi would also probably be really good for a rom-com. I'm guessing. He's already done with... one.
1: He did one. He wrote one Pause. in the
0: 90s with
1: uh that starred he and his wife, Elaine Collins, called Soft Top Hard Shoulder, that I almost picked for our next uh episode, but I I decided to go with a different film instead. But yeah, it's on. YouTube, if you want to watch it, it is young, like early '90s Peter Capaldi with the greatest hair you've ever seen as a rom-com lead. So yes, you are correct. But uh, is Twelve and Clara the reason we're friends too? In like a yes, very roundabout way.
0: <laughs> I posted a um, fan art of Twelve and Clara hugging, which, if you are a Doctor Who fan, you know the hugging no. is the big thing between them. And I like tagged it Hoofaldi, whatever. And uh, Katie found it. And we followed each other. We met at a con uh, like a month or so later. And the rest is history. Yeah. And, so Katie thanks, and of the pod and Katie, Katie.
1: Introdu- introduced us. So yeah. yeah. Katie,
0: yeah. 12 and Clara
1: is the reason that this podcast exists, basically. So, oh,
0: so beautiful. Oh. Um, <laughs> We're so but, normal. Yeah. I also, we've definitely talked about this one before. And we've already cast it, too. Um, It's another musician one. But it's about like like a kind of country adjacent musician and his like slightly older agent yes um so another fucking may december romance shit uh (laughs) but it's between like glenn powell is the musician and it as i've been thinking about this more i do see him kind of as like a less cringe morgan wallen type of guy yes and then um the agent is played by kate hudson
1: so oh yeah we did talk about Kate Hudson. i totally forgot about that also, yeah. speaking of,
0: didn't we, didn't one, it wasn't one of your ideas you wanted
1: Greg Tarzan Davis, who
0: I cannot believe I didn't
1: put on this fucking list. Oh, oh. Greg,
0: no. Well, Greg Tarzan Davis, like, is Mr. Pressline. Ah, uh,
1: I need that man in a rom-com stat. He has really, like, aside from Mission Impossible, he hasn't really done anything since Top Gun, which I imagine is partially because the production on Mission Impossible is insane. Like, I, yeah. I, I imagine that's part of it, but like... That man, like the fucking moment in Top Gun Maverick where uh Phoenix says hey and he says the He's flirtiest like, hey. hey you've ever heard in your life. Like that alone convinced me that I need this man in a rom-com
0: fucking stat. Yeah, no, he is Mr. Pressline. Um, like through and through. And the more I think about it, I feel like Io is Mrs. Pressline. Oh fuck.
1: Oh because you they... just
0: oh because <laughs> <laughs> she said she wants to do a rom-com. Yes. So, yes. And I think that this is it. This is her time. Io. Tarzan, please just get back to me. Please get back please. to me. Please.
1: <laughs> oh God. That is that is fucking pitch perfect, man. Holy
0: shit. Thank you. Thank you. I tried my best.
1: I am looking through my you? list of like other things that I want to see. And I don't really have a ton of like ideas. If mm-hmm. I I'd... actually, I do it's another fucking thing that I wrote as a fanfiction that I was going to reskin is like a real, a real thing. Um, I, for several years have been writing on and off pieces of like a woman who's a uh, surgeon at like a, a major hospital. And she uh, kind of runs into this guy who it turns out is a hitman. Um And it's kind of, I'm imagining real, I'm realizing <laughs> now that the it's kind of No, it's not even that it's, completely different fandom that I will explain it when we're not recording Um because I don't trust myself not to talk so loud yeah, that I yeah. can't cut it out of the edit. Um No, and she sort of, so she sort of runs across him and they end up involved and she just ends up like sewing him up in her living room a whole bunch. But I, so I've had that idea. But also I think a lot about like adaptations that I would like to do. Like, yeah, either old movies or books. Um I've thought for a long time about doing a remake of, or like, I would love to see a remake of um, What A Way to Go, which is a 1960s rom com that had Shirley MacLaine, Dean Martin, Dick Van Dyke, Robert Mitchum, Paul Newman, and uh, Gene Kelly in it, which is about a woman who sort of gets married and then her husbands kind of keel over once they get like, once they achieve like great success. Um, and it's a really, it's very screwball comedy. It's a very, very 1960s screwball comedy. But I would love to see that kind of thing adapted for the modern day. And I've actually thought about who would play the Robert Mitchum character because the Robert Mitchum character is um, very much, actually, okay, so I should probably explain it this way. There's Dean Martin, who's the man she doesn't like at the initially, who's kind of a skis, who she ends up with at the end. Um, then there's the inventor. Then there's an artist uh, who's Paul Newman, and then there's uh, a billionaire played by Robert Mitchum, and then there's a uh, like a Broadway style singer actor who's Gene Kelly. I've thought about casting a couple of them. Chris Pine would play the Paul Newman part because he's the only human being alive that is as hot as Paul Newman was in the '60s. Um, that is so true. <laughs> the uh, the the billionaire I've thought about, and I definitely want it to be Tarzan Davis. Like I think that's yes. just he has the the suave energy for it. Yeah. And If I, I was if I was gonna write it, I would sort of rejigger the the Gene Kelly part a bit to be less like dancer, singer, like triple threat movie star and more into like a Harry Styles type.
0: Ooh, um, and yeah. the person
1: I would cast in that is um, Dempsey Brick, who is in the sadly fucking erased from existence Willow series. Um, He's kind of a bimbo in that. And I love him. And so that's who I'd pick to sort of play the the Harry Styles part. That's the, that's the other thing that I think about writing a lot, but I hate writing screenplays. So it'll never happen.
0: <laughs> no i and didn't you want Haley lou richardson like yes. sweet baby girl um to be mrs what a way to go yes that is that yeah. is correct
1: i think Haley lou richardson just needs to do more rom-coms like i think she's done I, I agree she did love at first sight and i just i think about that movie constantly it is perfect
0: yeah, I I love her so much. I think that she needs to do so much more. And I, I really do like her as an actress. And I think that she's got, like, leading lady energy through and through. We've talked about her on this podcast several, several times. Many times, yeah. She and <laughs> so she many. And are, like, the mascots of this podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: maybe they. Maybe they will do a rom-com together one day. I mean, that knows. would
1: kind of be, like, a set-it-up energy. Because I feel like Hayley Richardson and Zoe Deutsch are very, very similar, uh, oh, like, yeah. actresses. Not And that's not to, like, demean them in any way. They just do very similar Thing. So projects, I would not yeah. complain about that. But I also wanted to sort of use that as a segue to talk about, like, kind of upcoming rom-coms or, like, yeah. things we're excited about that are coming out right now or are coming out soon. Um, because I need Hitman right fucking now.
0: I need Who it. Who doesn't? This, that movie it. is going to be the end of this podcast, by the way, because it's got, like, Maggie's man, one of my women and it's linked later like it's gonna be really really horrible for everybody involved like (laughs) i because it's been over a year
1: since or no, almost a year since it premiered at tiff by the time it comes out because it's hitting netflix in june and people are bitching like oh this should get a theatrical release listen i live half an hour 45 minutes at the least from a movie theater and that's if i want to go to the dumpy one I want to be able to turn my TV on and witness Glenn Powell in 4K whenever I want. I'm happy this is going to Netflix so I don't have to go see it at a theater and then wait six months to rewatch it obsessively like I do. Everybody wants some. And thank you, God, Richard Linklater for not giving him a terrible mustache
0: this time. Thank you, God. I'm really, really excited for this because like, as much as I love like the kind of mid-budget rom-com, I do like when you can take something from another genre and bring it into the rom-com genre, too. Yeah. And, like, use the the language of both genres to build on each other. Like, um, this, what is it called? Is it Stunt Guy with Emily Blunt? The Fall and Guy, yeah. Go- Fall Guy, yeah. I've, I've been seeing the trailers for that. I am so excited for that movie. Same. Unfortunately, I am... That is my most looked-forward-to movie this year, probably. Oh, same. Um, yeah, I love yeah. David
1: Leach. I love, like... I'm happy that Ryan Gosling is back to doing like good funny stuff because (laughs) mom and I watched Barbie. I rewatched it. She watched it for the first time. And I realized that like, I like Ryan Gosling in that movie, but compared to like the nice guys and other like comedy stuff he's done, he's so deeply unfunny in that movie. Like comparatively, like he's done so much better comedy and Fall Guy looks like it's going to be in line with the nice guys. And I'm very, very excited about the prospect of that.
0: Yes, it's actually really funny that we're talking about Ryan Gosling again, because I have Crazy Stupid Love on here, which is one of my boss's favorite, like, mm-hmm. movies, and it's kind of stupid, it's kind of cheesy, but, like, is it's Is that so the one sh- with Emma Stone and Steve Carell? It Carrell? is the one with Emma Stone and, Thank and you. Steve Carell. Um, unfortunately, though, it is so Shakespearean and the everything about it that I cannot help but love it. So that's that is so why, valid. like, we were talking about, like, and that's one that I think about a lot, just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that it's very, I don't know if the plot is realistic, because I just said it's like Shakespeare, but I do think that, like, at least one of those plot lines has happened to somebody, right? Yeah. Like, it feels exactly. very lived in. Um, But yeah, Crazy Stupid Love is up there. I do think it is a very good Ryan Gosling performance, specifically, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, um... I'm also really looking forward to Lisa Frankenstein, which by the time this comes out, this episode comes out, will be out in theaters. But um, as of recording today, it is not. I've heard very, very good things about it. I mean, I like Jennifer's body. So like, I knew I was going to like a new Diablo Cody movie, but it seems like it's very sort of like, silly 80s rom-com in the sort of vein of like can't buy me love which i Mm -hmm. if there's one thing i love it's a 80s rom-com you know we know how much i love valley girl on this podcast i love shit like real genius i love can't buy me love you know all those other movies it seems like it's gonna be in that kind of vein and i can't believe i'm excited for it because i actively dislike cole
0: Sprouse. I, you know what, I've been standing by this statement ever saw- since I saw that trailer. It is going to be the most accurate Frankenstein adaptation because she's going to fuck that monster. Yes, she is. I, she is going to fuck that monster so hard, you guys. Like- someone
1: I know that I work with went to a screening of it, like a really early screening of it. And the only thing she said in the Slack chat when she got back was the monster fuckers won. So yes!
0: <laughs> oh my god, I, yeah. The girls won. I won. The girls are so hard. Yes, um, yeah. I um am really excited for Lisa Frankenstein, and I can't go see it opening night because I have work, unfortunately. But um, worst day of my life. If my kids don't sign up for their conferences, I can go opening day at twelve thirty, um, which will be a praying your students
1: don't sign up for their conferences (laughs) so you can go be a monster fucker on a Thursday
0: afternoon, like. But yeah, I okay. This is a movie, probably not well known, but I saw it for the first time with one of my best like movie going friends, Jason, last year. And it's funny because the lead actress looks just like Maggie. Oh, fuck. It's Tokyo Pop. It's about, oh, you told me about this. I did tell you about this one. Um, because I was watching the entire movie and I'm like, this is uncanny. This is so uncanny. It's about this woman who moves from the u.s to tokyo to um try to make music and she becomes like the face of like a japanese band or whatever and she falls in love with one of the guys that's in the band and they don't end the movie together um but it is so it is a rom-com to me even though they don't end up together um it is a very very sweet movie it just kind of had a um like an anniversary which is why jason and i saw it and i believe it's carol burnett's daughter um who Um... plays the woman her name's Carrie Hamilton.
1: I Letterbox is not telling me whether she is or not, but I'm going to choose to believe you, and I've just put it on my Letterbox watch list to hopefully watch like soon because I have not seen enough Japanese. So, oh, Michael Cerberus is in it. That's interesting. But...
0: No, it's it's a really really good movie, and it's very sweet. It's about like um, cultural differences, and mm-hmm. I and it's also about music and how music nice. is able to overcome those cultural differences, and <clears throat> it's just it's just a very very good movie. Yeah, um, it's it's very campy is right up this pods alley I would like to do it one day um in the future but it is it is so good and it's so cute and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I saw it yeah so that's another thing that like that's a good rom-com that I've also yeah. like seen recently yeah I've been rewatching one and this <laughs> people are either going to
1: agree with me or they're gonna think I'm completely insane and hate me but um I've been re-watching mannequin a couple times recently are you familiar with that movie at all
0: I, I love Mannequin because I love that song God. from the
1: movie. I the, love uh, Starship one.
0: Yes. Yeah, okay. And I also so, like Kim Cattrall, So,
1: the thing about Mannequin is that my mom and my dad when they were my age lived in Central Philadelphia. They actually live in a location you can see in Mannequin. So, the film being set in Philadelphia and specifically being set at um they don't I, they call it something else in the movie. But it's the, the giant wanamakers in like Philadelphia on Broad Street. Like that is something that they are intimately familiar with and that I am intimately familiar with. Because last time I was in Philly, I ran around and said fucking Wanamakers in a Chucky costume because it was Halloween. Um that's here nor there though. But that film is so like I mentioned cheesy 80s rom-coms. That is fucking peak. It's the mo it's the strangest fucking concept, but The thing that makes it work is that it's played so fucking straight, and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it, the fashion is great, the soundtrack is great, it's got one of the best, like, best friend, I mean, I know he's a stereotype, but Hollywood is one of the best, like, rom-com best friend characters I've ever seen, if only because they style him so audaciously that it's, like, hard to look away from him whenever he's on camera, but no, I have been revisiting that lately, and I just am so in love with how bizarre and weird it is and how much Kim Cattrall just is
0: everything. Well, the thing is, is that, like, the plot of it isn't even that strange. I actually said, um, for story ideas, Greek god rom-com question mark. Um, The mannequin is based off of Galatia. Yeah. So it's it's classic. There's a reason why the story works so well. And they can play it so straight because it's based off of this, like, classical story. But that is that is actually a rom-com I would love to see re- get remade, but um, between two men. Oh,
1: that would be like, interesting. As, an, as
0: a layered, like, commentary on, like, um, how the uh, gay male community is obsessed with, like, looks. We talked about that a little bit in Fire Island. Um, yeah. Is that something that comes up? But that's something that I think would be really interesting to see redone, but with, yeah. like, uh, two men.
1: Yeah, I wonder how you do it, I guess, because department stores aren't as, like, huge a thing as, like, or, like, as much of a staple as they were in yeah. the 80s. Um, especially with, like, something like the the Philly Wanamakers, which is so gigantic. I got lost in it three times last time I was in it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that would be, I, there's a lot of, like, rom-coms that we talk about that I feel like would be interesting to be made. I'm just very touchy because I'm, like, I know they'll try to make it, like, weird and I think the yeah. thing about this is that you have to play it straight. You have like oh, for sure. It has to Very be sincere. full commitment. Like yeah, it has yeah. to be sincere. You have to fully commit to this because if you're kind of winking and nodding it, you know, like you know what's going on, then it kind of loses all the the fun. Like it's like because the reason that I loved Mannequin the first time I saw it was just looking at Andrew McCarthy falling in love with this mannequin going oh he's so sweet and small and I just want to hold him like an injured baby bird like that was the oh my feeling <laughs> that I got <laughs> like you were talking about and Davis it was like a similar feeling of "Oh, this small innocent little nerd boy like I love him so much I, I want to protect him like that's the feeling that I- and that's not normally a feeling I get from like uh rom-com heroes the same thing happens with patrick dempsey and can't buy me love he's such a pathetic little like nerd boy that i i love him dearly that was we should do that one on the podcast because that is i agree pre-nose job
0: patrick dempsey i would be so down to do that i feel like um patrick like i remember my first patrick dempsey rom-com i saw enchanted as a child and was forever changed um like perfect that's- rom-com perfect perfect rom-com, rom-com. rom-com perfect rom-com so perfect yeah, rom-com. You go, yeah exactly yeah 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 like I was changed that day I don't know about you guys but like exactly I under I've never seen Grey's Anatomy but I get it like I, I get it you guys I never I didn't have to see it to know why she was like pick me choose me like yeah exactly you know I get it he's I get man. it he's a real I man. Get it.
1: the fucking the scene when they're slow dancing at the end
0: oh my god stop, fucked, stop. like
1: fucked nine-year-old me up so hard
0: yeah, I I think about that movie a lot. I'm probably gonna watch it while I finish grading papers tonight. Um, just to be completely transparent and honest with everybody, because you so that's another valid. one I think about. That's another one I think about all the time. You are so valid for that. Yeah, I um, uh, you know, at some point I want to do 27 dresses. I think about that movie pretty much all the time. Also, why has James Marsden not had a uh, just? fanatically successful
1: career as a rom-com leading man like why has that not happened how has that not happened i don't know
0: he also was in enchanted chance itself. jail jail he's for great. a thousand years <laughs> he's so great i perfect think oh wait you know what i think that he and hugh dancy need to do a rom-com together
1: i think you're correct i think you are objectively correct that they should definitely do. yeah i mean like i like i don't yeah. really think about james morrison all that time all the time but like jury duty happened and then i was like oh yeah oh no i'm in love with this man
0: like i love this man i also i saw sonic for the first time over my birthday weekend like because it was on like nick tv and we were getting ready to go out and it was just on the tv and i was like wow this is like a really good movie and he's also really funny in this and i don't know james marsden was like kind of a fixture of my childhood because of like movies like Pop and Enchanted and I I knew you were gonna bring up Pop, and I was like oh that's cursed shut up
1: (laughs) no I also watched that as a child there was a weird thing where James Morrison was just doing a bunch of movies with like CG animated animals like yeah I don't know that was his his MO in the early aughts I guess I don't know but yeah
0: I there's there's a lot of things on here like I don't know I love rom-coms and this podcast has made me a lot more like appreciative of same them and has also kind of helped me define why I like other genres so much too yeah because like I am primarily like a tragedy drama kind of gal and I literally like the book I'm writing started out as a trashy romance novel and then I accidentally felt feelings for my characters and now it's like a full-fledged like coming of age slash identity I did I caught feelings for them I was all like well I love them too much they're like my little guys I can't do that to them that's like what
1: happens when you're a writer you think oh this is gonna be fine I'll write like 5,000 words and then be
0: done with it and then you start feeling emotions and you're like fuck
1: yeah that's just what being a writer
0: is like yeah and the the, the thing is is that like I want it to stand on its own but I've already started thinking about like the extended universe of it I'm like no I can't do that because then that cheapens it a little bit too much and I don't want (laughs) to get known for only writing one kind of book and you know um but it's very much like I know why I like the drama and the tragedy because of why I like rom-coms and I don't know if you feel the same way
1: yeah I mean it's it's helped me sort of look at movies through a different lens over the last like year or so because I mean I have to look at film and tv through a certain lens because I am a critic so I'm I have to look at certain things through a more critical lens than maybe I would like you know sometimes i i hate how sort of like nitpicky i can get because that's kind of where my brain is at when i go into something but that being said i think i it's it's another lens that has been added on top of like what i how i already view things and it's made me a little more like i don't want to say critical of what i'm watching but a little bit more sort of
0: like selective intentional intentional that's there's the that's word the i was looking for i use that student uh, i use that word with my students all the time and I think it's a very good it's a good word because it shows there's thought there's like a let layer layer of analysis there that you're trying to think about um when you go into you know like a piece of media yeah yeah I think it's absolutely because
1: I was just talking yesterday about um or not yesterday uh the day before we watched I watched Groundhog Day for the first time with my family and like I didn't like it and I couldn't put my finger on why and then I realized that it just so fucking severely fails to get the pass because of the like concept of it and I was like oh so that like I, and it kind of allowed me to look at that film through a different lens and sort of critique for it for sure yeah a different level and like understand why I disliked it because like I sometimes you watch something and you get a feeling about it and you kind of don't understand why but so sort of have that criteria gives you a little bit better of an understanding of like I like this. I like this because or I dislike this because because sometimes that can be hard to formulate even as a critic. I do this for my job and I have to write about why I like or dislike something and I can still run into walls of like well it was okay. So like what do I say about it? But like having those criteria sort of helps you kind of categorize things in your brain especially as a as a critic because I reviewed anyone but you for uh, for Collider and I think maybe if we hadn't been doing this podcast I would have been a little less critical of it and I would have sort of just passed it off as like fluff but looking at it from the perspective of the past I was like no this is just no this bad go jail get out of my face for a like, thousand I, years like, jail for a thousand years You're like yeah so it, and I think this podcast has definitely affected like my work as a critic too so it, it extends just beyond you know, watching a movie every two weeks and then screaming about it, which is not what I expected starting a podcast to do for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, like looking at the past, like this has been something that I've been thinking about now for going on four years in March, um, and to be able to talk about it and articulate my thoughts about it and like apply it to all of these like different case studies that we've been doing over the last year, it's been nothing but helpful for me figuring out what kinds of stories I want to tell and like yeah. how to talk about writing and making choices and being intentional with my students because the whole point of my class is like I'm telling them like you get to choose whatever it is you want to write about it just has to fall under entertainment media or pop culture and so like obviously I'm trying to get them to think about why do you like this thing why do you have such strong opinions about this thing why are why should we care about your research on this thing and like to me, does it get the pass is kind of like my own interpretation of that, like but for yeah. rom-coms. I'm trying to figure out things about this genre or these specific movies that I like or these actors that I like or these stories that I want to see. And I don't know, it, it just makes me very like passionate and very knowledgeable about the choices I'm making with my media.
1: Yeah. I think it's it kind of forces you to look at things slightly differently when you have to basically when you have to do your homework on it like that's because i think a lot of media consumption is is very passive and we don't think about it in that sense but when you're doing it with the intention of either recording a podcast or writing a review or doing something external with it or for research or whatever you know you kind of have to be a li- like you said intentional like it changes the perspective and i i am very much a sort of like proponent of just watch shit because you like it you don't have to watch all the Oscar nominees you don't have to like you know watch all these dramas you don't have to sort of be like a film critic or a, a an academic about it you can just watch things because you like them but I think it's also good to have a healthy balance of watch things because you like them and then be more intentional in your viewing even if it's only for like one specific project like this podcast
0: yeah because like I mean the rules of the past are so easy it's literally like is there is there cheating is there lying and I think that those are two things that are fairly easy to spot but I think it's like I think even about like cheating and lying for like other genres I'm like like with the dramas that like I love to watch and love to write it's like okay well how do I set up the cheating how do I set up the lying if it happens you know what I mean and how do I walk how do I let my characters walk back from that you know what I mean like do I let them walk back from that and it's it's something that I think about a lot and I just I love being able to come on here every two weeks and like maybe start with a little bit of a solid plan and questions but then let it turn into you know what we've let it like where we talk about you know how would we recast this or what are the things that we'd change to make it get the pass or make it not get the pass like those are like I feel like we need to start bringing in that element when a movie gets the pass what would make this not get the pass and like how would you rewrite it so that it couldn't get the pass I think there's like an interesting binary conversation that we can have there going into like year two quote unquote
1: yeah I cannot believe it's year two already like that is nuts the idea I mean we did take a fairly significant break in the middle of last year because of extenuating circumstances for a variety of reasons but the fact that we got back into it and we're on year two is kind of mental and I'm yeah. very excited about it because it is kind of it's nice to come to this and and have something that is intentional but is outside of my work because as much as I enjoy being a critic, it can kind of make you a really sort of grouchy pessimist about everything when you have when you do have to do everything for a job and everybody takes it so fucking seriously despite the fact that we are writing about TV and movies, we're not doing like brain surgery or rocket science, you know. It's so it's it's nice to have this that's like still very intentional. But, you know, in a completely different arena that reminds me why I like analyzing media so much. And I'm for very, sure. very excited to do it for hopefully a while longer. I mean, there's a bajillion rom-coms that we haven't done yet. But um, next time, when we do uh, get back to our regular format, we hope you've enjoyed this sort of little one-off. But we're going to be doing... Uh, The film Only You, which is directed by Norman Jewison, who I believe just passed away, but it stars, uh, MCU stars Marissa Tomei and Robert Dunney Jr. Uh, This was also introduced to me by friend of the pod, Katie. I am very excited because it's, uh, from what I remember, like, slightly strange, and I have no idea if it gets passed or not, so it will be uh, very interesting to revisit it.
0: I have never heard of this movie before. Uh, Billy Zane is in it which and I I like him
1: I forgot about that um
0: let's see a childhood incident has convinced Faith that her true love is a guy named Damon Bradley but she has yet to meet him oh real I love her already okay no I'm excited I'm so (laughs) excited to see this um yeah yeah I remember people talking about this movie
1: like when the two of them showed up in the MCU together like when the first Spider-Man movie came out and people were talking about the like sort of those two flirting, and then everyone was like, no, they were in a movie together in the 90s. And I'm like, oh shit. Uh so yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to get back to the normal format and, and uh take a look at that. But if you want to follow the pod on socials, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at get the and on our severely under updated letterbox at the If you want to follow me on socials, you can follow me on Instagram at Maggie Rachel underscore, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L on Twitter at Maggie underscore Rachel and on TikTok at Maggie Rachel.
0: If you'd like to follow me on socials, you can find me on Twitter at With a Hero and on Instagram at King of the Chess People. Yeah, thank you so much for deciding to spend like an hour or so of your Valentine's Day with us. We hope that, you know, you continue to watch rom-coms and support rom-coms and theaters, especially the ones that we mentioned that are coming out like Lisa Frankenstein and The Fall Guy and Hitman. Um, Without your support, honestly, rom-coms are gonna stop getting made or they're not gonna be given the same amount of attention that they were in past decades. So, you know, use this, share it with your friends and happy Valentine's Day. (laughs)